picture the World Trade Center, and there's this huge hole. And I looked at the hole and I said, this is not a small plane. At the back of my head, I know that mom's in the air that day. My co-pilot and I are sitting there in the air-to-air -air frequency said that an airplane had hit the World Trade Center. With that came the word terrorism. The 737 just hit the World Trade Center. This is real world. Next thing we hear is the New York airspace is closed. Then all of the U.S. airspace is closed. Then a pilot came on the PA and said, due to a terrorist attack, we'll be landing in Gander, Newfoundland. I never heard of Newfoundland. I had to look up on the map. I thought it was an island somewhere, but I wasn't too sure whereabouts it was. Planes crossing the Atlantic at our first point of contact with North America is Newfoundland. Everybody that comes to Newfoundland, you're come from a ways. You're come from somewhere else. So that's what we call people on the plane. Come from a ways. And you could see Jumble Jet. I go, oh my gosh, 38 planes. And they're all here in Gander. Every single plane over the ocean is being diverted here, I think. 7,000 people showed up in a community of 9,000 and stayed for four days. The Ganderites, they were always cheery. It was always love and what can I do for you? We just fell out of the sky onto their town. Like a plague of locusts. We've been taken out of turmoil in the world, but we've been taken care of by these people in Uganda. The spirit of what they did, taking care of strangers. Everyone knows the story of 9-11, but they want to take something positive from it. And this story is a positive. We saw 7,000 people who needed food, they needed clothing, they needed shelter, but most of all, they needed love. Many of us will remember where we were on that day, September 11th, 2011. Some of you won't remember where you are because you're much younger than the rest of us. But on September 11th, 2001, many people were stranded somewhere. And the kindness of the people of Gander, Newfoundland, have made them famous. On 9-11, the airspace over the United States was completely closed. All the planes headed to the United States from out of the country had to land somewhere else. Think about how many international flights fly into our country every day. Think of Chicago, New York, Atlanta, Los Angeles, all the major international hubs. Many planes were diverted to Canada, and Canada was gracious enough to do all they could to help. 38 of those many flights landed on a large runway in Gander. Apparently, Gander had a very, once in a long time ago in history, they had the largest runway in the world. So they have a very large runway. Gander is the first piece of land that you reach when you're flying from Western Europe to Eastern United States. So on 9-11, 7,000 strangers literally dropped out of the sky and 9,000 people, get this, 7,000 strangers, 9,000 people including infants and children, people of Gander did all they could to make them welcome. It was eight hours before the people could get off the planes. And during that eight hours, the people of Gander did not sleep. They pulled together. They started cooking before the guests even arrived. They collected bedding. They set up shelters for more guests than they had ever seen before. This is not a tourist town. There are not hotels abundance. There are not restaurants in abundance. Nothing was plentiful except for love and volunteerism. It took all the volunteers they could find. When the people could finally get off the plane, the people of Gander welcomed the stranger, or the come from a ways, as they called them, with open arms. 
In five days, they made 386,000 meals. They opened their homes so that people could take showers and have places to rest. They provided clothing because the planes never got the baggage off the, off the planes. The director of the local SPCA personally climbed into the luggage holds over all those suitcases to find the pets of the guests that were in town. She took care of 19 animals, including two monkeys, that arrived that day. For five days, the strangers were stranded there. The school bus drivers actually were on strike on 9-11, but they returned to their buses to help the planes unload and to get the passengers from the airport into someplace safe in town. Now, one might say, if you're talking about strangers, that these strangers were acceptable strangers. They were good people that a disaster brought to their town. But if you really think about it, there was no guarantee on that day that the people getting off of these planes were really nice or acceptable. There may have been thieves on those planes, abusers, people who could hurt someone. There may have been more terrorists on planes that day. Nobody knows. Someone might hurt someone else. Someone could have anger issues. There's all kinds of reasons that they could have protected themselves from all of those strangers that arrived in their town. And yet, putting all caution aside, the people of Gander cooked and donated as much as they could for the strangers that arrived, literally fell out of the sky that day. There was so much food donated that the local hockey rink became a large freezer and refrigerator for the food. Schools closed so that they could be shelters, and they did all of this to care for the stranger. People of different ethnicities, religions, races, and beliefs all came to their town and were warmly and radically welcomed. I think it was the mayor of Gander who said in that film, we saw 7,000 people who needed food, they needed clothes, they needed shelter, but most of all, they needed love. So this is the last in a series of sermons on the art of neighboring, and today we're focusing on loving the stranger. So who is the stranger in our world? You know, our world since has become increasingly smaller over the years, at least as far as connections are concerned. We call our neighbors the people down the street, but you know, we're also connected through Facebook and through social media to people across the globe. School classrooms are, are finding friends and students in classrooms in Japan and in Europe. They're meeting people from all over the world using social media. So our neighbors have actually become more as social media and technology has connected us. The Oxford Dictionary defines a stranger as the person whom one does not know or with whom one is not familiar, or a person who does not know or is not known in a particular place or community. I would also add that we would consider someone who we don't understand, a stranger. That includes a lot of people, some of whom you would welcome getting to know, like new neighbors, new work colleagues. But there are others that we give labels to, people who are different from us that frighten us. We give them names like aliens, illegals, undocumented queer, or racial and social negative descriptions, or political identities. And I'm sure you can all come up with more 
but it's a way for us to define people that we consider different from us, that we make them. By using words, we can let people know that they are not like us. But God calls us to something very different. We are all God's children. We are all brothers and sisters. We are all God's children. Whether we identify with you and understand you, whether you are a neighbor or you live on the other side of the world, whether you're the person that falls out of the sky and lands in our neighborhood, we are all children of God. Our identity should unite us. In the book of Deuteronomy, the Israelites are living as nomads. They are still in the wilderness, and God with Moses is preparing them to enter the promised land and establish themselves there. They are setting laws and practices for holy living, rules to live by. Being immigrants has been hard for them, living in the wilderness, eating manna all day, living in tents. It is hard, and it could make a person hard and angry. Israel's experience of being the stranger was destructive. They were strangers in Egypt, where they became slaves and were beaten and treated harshly. The last straw for Moses before his burning bush experience, where God called him to lead the people out of Egypt, was seeing a guard beat one of the slaves. They were asked to do impossible tasks when they couldn't do it. They were severely punished. The kind of life can make a person angry and bitter. Then they might treat other people the way they have been treated. It can be a cycle of bitterness and angry. So God says, I am the God who loves, who treats people justly, including orphans, widows, and strangers, immigrants. That means that we, the people of God, are to live and love these people too. We are to love the immigrants. Well, because we were immigrants. In Deuteronomy 26, the Israelites are instructed after they enter the promised land and begin to farm and grow crops that at each head of household is to take fill a basket with the first fruits that they produce and take it to the temple. They are to bring the basket before the priest and they recite this story. My father was a wandering Aramean. He went down to Egypt with a few people and lived there. They became a great and populous nation. The Egyptians dealt harshly with us, oppressed us, and they imposed heavy labor upon us. We cried to the Eternal, the God of our ancestors, and the Lord heard our voice and saw our misery and oppression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm and awesome power, bringing us to this place and giving us this land. And now we bring the first fruits of that soil to you, Lord, that you have given us. You know, we are all wandering somethings. I should always remember that my ancestors were wandering Irish folks on my mother's side. They were also wandering Brits. It's reported that one of my ancestors came over on the Mayflower. Maybe it's just a family legend. Maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. On my father's side, I should always say my grandfather was a wandering Dutchman coming through Ellis Island with his family and no belongings. They wandered to South Dakota where they established a farm. But when the Dust Bowl of the 1930s hit, my grandfather and his young wife packed up their four kids and immigrated to central Pennsylvania. It is reported that the twin babies 
were wrapped in newspaper when they arrived in Pennsylvania. That would have been my father and his twin sister. Very few people immigrate to a strange land because life was so good where they came from. All kinds of people have immigrated to our country, and most of them are running away from something, something really hard. But their visions of the promised land were not always what they dreamed of before they came. It's usually hard to be the stranger. Different groups of people were oppressed and taken advantage of when they came here. And of course, African families were brought here against their will and continued to struggle with justice issues. And it is still the same today. People arrive in this country looking for something better than where they came from and continue to be discriminated against and oppressed. It doesn't matter how they get here. If they seem different, it's hard. We have an immigration problem, but I don't think it's because we are too welcoming. God commands us. You must love the stranger because you were once a stranger too. You must love the stranger. God loves the stranger and asks, no commands, us to do the same. In an article called Love and Help the Stranger, Rabbi Firestone says, you know, God works in mysterious ways. On rare occasion, oppression is relieved by the direct and miraculous power of the creator. More often, oppression is relieved in other ways, through the grace of God's likeness in the faces of helping neighbors or helping strangers. God's miracles of human kindness that can happen anywhere and at any time. I want to repeat that one more time. More often, oppression is relieved in other ways, through the grace of God's likeness in the faces of helping neighbors or helping strangers. God's miracles of human kindness that can happen anywhere or at any time. The commandment to care for the stranger is mentioned more times than any other commandment in the Jewish Torah, the first five books of our Old Testament. It is mentioned more times than even loving God. In the passage we read today in Matthew, judgment, as Jesus describes it, is based completely on the way we treat people. Jesus tells us that we are accountable for the way that we treat the hungry, the thirsty, the naked, the imprisoned, and the stranger. For some of us, this might be hard. We're anxious about talking to strangers. We have introverts. Where did my, fa- my favorite introvert go? We have introverts who are like, <laughs> like, I can't talk to a stranger. You're asking me to do something. Like, this is really hard. Thankfully, Because we are a community, we don't have to do it alone. We can step up as a community of people of God who love God and love others together. Food to cares, donations and supplies to common goods, spreading kindness in Detroit through peanut butter sandwiches, feeding sandwiches to people anywhere who are hungry, sharing yourself with the people of Appalachia. We can support crisis work with UMCOR. As a church, we are trying to increase our love of stranger who are our neighbors near and far. In Gander, Newfoundland, the story did not end when the planes took off on the fifth day. It still continues today. One of the architectural designers for the 9-11 memorial landed in Gander that day. His part of the memorial is the part where the light shines in, honoring all those 
who helped others that day. One of the couples who was in Gander lost their son who was a firefighter in New York City. They have made lifelong friends with the people who took care of them that day. No money changed hands when they were there, but gifts and donations have poured in for years to come, creating computer labs and schools. Delta Flight number 15 took up a collection on the way home, and senior students in Gander are still receiving scholarships from that collection. Gander also learned how good they were at welcoming strangers. They are now housing and supporting five Syrian refugee families in their community, offering them safety and a place to call home. One of the Syrian refugees is noted to have said that he feels confident about the place he is because he keeps hearing the stories of 9-11 and he knows that he will be cared for. I think that church people, the people who call themselves Christians, should be leading the world in this loving neighbor, loving stranger. But I hate to say it, I think we're way behind. People who call themselves Christians and no one in this room are more often judgmental than they are loving. So the rest of us have to pick up the slack. And Loving Stranger is kind of in vogue now, just for the record. In the August issue of Oprah Magazine, there were stories about how strangers cared for others. We were on the airline, Southwest Airlines, in August, and there was a big story about a guy who wants to show people how to be good neighbors. He has mowed lawns in 50 states of people he doesn't know, and he's trying to mow lawns on every continent. And when he goes, he doesn't just mow a lawn. He creates a team of young people in neighborhoods to mow lawns so that they won't be strangers in their neighborhoods. God commands us to love strangers, not fear them, not oppress them, not discriminate against them, not lock them up, but love them. Love them. Strangers who are our neighbors, strangers who are in need that we have never met, strangers we don't understand, we, the people of God, are called to love all of our neighbors. Amen.